And hello, welcome to the Thursday edition of Unqualified Analysis. Some may even call this the pro football episode. Uh, but hey, it's, uh, it's, it's an episode today. We had a, had a week of games that occurred on Thursday and Sunday. These are facts that just came from my mouth. We all know it. You know it. I know it. We all saw it on those days in question. Um, you know, it was it was a week for sure. That, that is all to say, um, not the greatest week of action in the world. Not a terrible week of action either. It was about your about as average a week as we can get in the NFL season. And since I'm saying that, not just being excited about football, that means we are right in the thick of football season, baby. I I love me some football, but sometimes you get a little bit too used to it, get a little bit too coddled. I uh, need to get a little bit of perspective, knowing that you know what we're not going to have this forever. But uh, yeah, got my coffee here, evening coffee in my lap. I'm foregoing dinner. Uh, at least until I get done with this recording, you know the thing, the things you do for for whatever this is, podcasting, uh, the the show, did the show must go on? I don't know. I've already, I mean, it's we're like a minute in, already been rambling too much. But I mean, we got uh, we got a week of games to get to. Try to keep this a tight hour. I say, as you know, I, this inevitably will go another hour forty minutes. But with that, let's pop this thing open, get right into the action, shall we? Ooh, I love this time of year, folks, man. I Fall is the most elite season in the entire calendar. These three months from late September to early December are the most immaculate in all of the calendar. I think, which it's crazy because I think the, the, the true mark of being an adult is you get to a certain point where summer is now boring and fall is now the best time of the year. It was pretty much reversed, except for, I mean, fall was hell whenever you were back in school. I mean, you were nowhere near close to the finish line getting to summer. Uh, You're you're still just trying to to get through uh, the doldrums of the the, the school year. And you know what? As an adult, you're like, shit, we got good weather outside. I mean, even in the cooler temperatures, I mean, we're talking, I mean, down in Tennessee, it is a little bit different. I I will readily admit that. But I mean, just in general, I mean, it's not hot like it's the summer. It's not super cold like it's the winter either. It's a nice little in-between. You're starting to get a little bit of jacket weather here and there. And of course, I mean, we've got playoff baseball. If that's that's your thing, that's on TV now. And I mean, October in general, Probably the most elite month in the entire calendar, only followed by November, I would say, because the college football games only get better. The NFL starts to ratchet up even more. I mean, October and November, the most elite months on the entire calendar, and uh, I'll take that opinion all the way to the grave. But I know I'm, I'm forsaking Christmas. I'm forsaking New Year's, all that sort of stuff. Um, but I got Thanksgiving. I got Halloween, baby. I don't, I don't need that other stuff in those other months. Just just a little quick aside to say, uh, fall is the best season on the calendar, and, and you can fight me about that. I'll defend that take uh, to my grave. But um, now we're three and a half minutes into the podcast, and I still haven't talked about a lick of football. So let's actually talk about the football, shall we? Starting off on Thursday night, we had the Broncos visiting the Kansas City Chiefs in a game that I damn near fell asleep in. About a million times on Thursday night, as as my father, as my witness, I was in a chair uh, looking up at the TV, just almost dozing in and out of sleep, barely knowing what was going on half the time, staying on my phone just to stay awake. It was not a fun game to watch. It was close for a, a good amount of the game, but it was not a fun game to watch. 
Now, my main takeaways were, one, Broncos still stink. What else is new? Russell Wilson cooked, about as cooked as a well-done steak. He is, I mean, even if even Sean Payton can't make you look good, it's time It's it's time to ride off into the sunset, my dude. Uh, problem is they got that contract. We've already been over that, but that's it's going to get awkward. That's going to get awkward real fast, real, real fast. But I digress. Broncos are who we thought they were. They'll probably continue being not awesome from here on out. Chiefs, on the other hand, it just reinforced what we already thought. First and foremost, underrated aspect of this team that I don't think people are truly recognizing just yet. Um, this is probably the best defense that Patrick Mahomes has had uh, from, I mean, haven't finished the season, but from the very start of the season, probably the best defense that Patrick Mahomes has ever had. No question about it in my mind. I mean, the way they're playing, um, not Jeffrey Simmons, other Mississippi State product, Chris Jones, uh, one of the elite defensive tackles in the entire league, bona fide star, probably top 10 player in the entire league, if I had to say, just based on what he does to dominate the middle there. I mean, you got a, a strong group of linebackers, even with Nick Bolton not out there. I mean, Willie Gay was still flying around. You got a solid group outside of Willie Gay. I mean, Mississippi State bias, what can I say there? We churn out defensive players. What else is new? Uh, don't talk about the cornerback play. We'll just we'll just disregard that for right now. But when you go on the back end, you got uh, Justin Reed playing well. I, th I think it's Justin Reed. I, I, I apologize to Reed if I got his first name wrong, but I do believe it is Justin Reed. Um, Pharrell Edmonds, a guy that was kind of an afterthought in free agency. He's playing really, really well on the back end. Uh, to go with uh, Justin Reed. Legereus Sneed, legit shutdown corner there on the outside. Trent McDuffie, their first-round pick last year. I mean, the Chiefs have a really, a bona fide top 10 defense. Um, all they really need to be with Patrick Mahomes usually is average or slightly above average. They are one of the elite units in the entire league right now, and I'll fight just about anyone on that. They are a fantastic unit, and like I said, probably the best defense that Patrick Mahomes has had since he became the starter for the Chiefs. On the other side of the ball, though, I mean, you're still looking for answers in the passing game, which if you're looking for answers in the passing game when you have Patrick Mahomes, that should tell you really all you need to know about the struggles of this offense and in specific the receiving core. I mean, Travis Kelsey is just dragging the lifeless husk of that receiving core on the field every single week. And you can't just, you can't get into a playoff scenario, even with how good this defense is. And maybe the defense is good enough to offset this a little bit. Well, we won't know until we get there, but I have a hard time seeing with what they've got in the room right now, or at the very least on this Thursday night, a little foreshadowing to a little add-on to this uh, whole game as well. I find it hard to see them getting deep in the playoffs with what they've got constructed at the moment. Good thing is, I mean, not a number one wide receiver you bring in, but Nicole Hardman just festering away on the bench over there with the Jets. He gets traded for a late round pick swap uh, back to the, the Kansas City Chiefs. So a uh, nice little reunion there. Nicole Hardman leaves in free agency over the offseason, goes to a place where they don't use him. And what do you know, ends up right back where he was before with the Chiefs. At the very least, doesn't have to relearn the system. Already knows what they're running over there. So you can probably step right in back into the role that he had uh, previously with the team. I think probably provided a, a better vertical element than what we've seen from MVS thus far this year. 
Is that enough to offset what they've already got in the room and have been been struggling with right now? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. With Patrick Mahomes, it's not like I think we found the baseline of how bad the receiving core can be and still, I mean, be great with Patrick Mahomes. It's somewhere above where we are right now and. Maybe McCole Hardman is that piece that makes them uh, an elite offense again. The running game with Isaiah Pacheco has been doing pretty well, all things considered. Um, so you got that going for you. Um, I mean, basically everything else on this team is is championship ready right now. You had some struggles on the offensive line at times with those two new tackles, but that's understandable. Uh, the, the the main thing is they they still have all the guys in there that I think started day one. If I'm not mistaken, I could be horrifically wrong on that, and I just don't care to look it up and find out. But I'm going to assume they've got the same offensive uh, starting offensive line from day one. And as long as that continues to go, these aren't bad players on the offensive line. I think they'll gel together nicely and get it going towards the end of the year. Right now, though... The Chiefs just trying to find answers on offense. They're still winning while trying to find an- those answers, though. That's that's the main thing. I'm t- even with what I said before. I'm still inclined to believe that the Chiefs will, at the very least, be in the AFC Championship game with that. On the strength of that defense and having Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, I think you can go as far as the AFC Championship just with those three factors uh, factored in. Um, they they got to improve if they want to win another Super Bowl here after winning one last year. I am I'm interested to see how that McCole Hardman pickup um, factors into the offense and makes them better. I think it will make them a little bit better. I just don't know how much better it will get from here. But I don't need to spend any more time on this on this bad game. Uh, Chiefs beat the Broncos 19-8. We move on from there. Um, another game that just, I mean, could bore you to tears if you were inclined to do so. Uh, the Ravens over in London town, they beat the Titans 24 to 16. Um, Lamar Jackson, not the greatest game in the world, but got the job done. Derrick Henry, uh, 97 yards on the ground on 12 carries, looking like the Derrick Henry of old. Love to see it. I'd love to see him stick around for as long as he possibly can. Um, just, <coughs> excuse me. Just selfishly because he is such a, a great player and such a, I mean, a throwback style-wise uh, that we just don't see in the modern era with how big and physical he is and with the speed to go with that in the open field, he's, he's spectacular. So I'd love for him to stick around as long as possible. Um, he had a bounce-back game in this one. I mean, Mark Andrews was the leading receiver for all receivers in this game with 69 yards. Pretty nice, except for, it, you know, it's... If that's the leader in the game, that should tell you pretty much all you need to know about the passing game for both of these teams. Um, Malik Willis made, I mean, just a dumb play. I mean, just a terrible, terrible play down at the goal line. Um, Could have run out of bounds to, to stop the clock late. Um they got no timeouts. He rolls out to the left, extends the play, tries to find someone, doesn't find anyone. Instead of just throwing it away or going out of bounds, he instead decides to just take a sack. I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure analysts have ever been more wrong. Well, that's. It. Let me walk back that hyperbole before it even gets started. Uh, people were wrong about Malik Willis. He just just not an NFL quarterback, unfortunately. Um, you hate to see it, but it is what it is. I'm not sure Will Levis is a is an NFL quarterback either, but we haven't seen him yet. Something tells me you're going to see him at some point this season. But the Ravens, 4-2, they get another win. It has not been 
pretty thus far. The offense has not quite clicked like you would hope it would under that new offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin. But much like the Chiefs, at the very least, they are finding answers while they're, or they're searching for answers while they're still winning. They're 4-2 now, right at the top of the AFC North. Everything they want still in front of them. Tuck, I mean, Justin Tucker, six field goals, though. Shout out. Good for him. Um, outside of that, yeah, I think I pretty much wrung all I can out of that game. Let's just keep it moving from here. Ooh, excuse me after I get a quick sip of this nice warm coffee. You may be hearing some clinkety clacking around. That's just the spoon I've got in this coffee from the creamer that I put in there. Yep, not a real adult because I put creamer in my coffee, but what are you going to do, man? It tastes good. I like it. Um, either way, pretty much done with that game. I'm going to keep this in my lap the entire uh, podcast, by the way. I just, um, I'm just i tired of drinking lukewarm coffee after I've been talking for an hour straight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to down this early as I possibly You know what? In fact, I'm going to take another sip. And keep it moving. Uh, Commanders, they go into Atlanta to beat the Falcons 24-16. This is Desmond Ritter's first loss in a home game since, I believe, his junior year of high school. And uh, boy, was it quite a loss, man. I mean, Arthur Smith, he about gave his his coach a heart attack uh, with the plays that he was making. Uh, Desmond Ritter threw for 300 yards, which I think is his second straight 300-yard game, which good good on that front. Uh, the problem is that came with three interceptions, which, I mean, his coach was just about dying on the inside looking at those three interceptions, and I, I can't blame him. I'm just, I mean, I, I guess he's improving steadily, I suppose, but man, Desmond Ritter has really not been playing well so far this season. I think um, unless he really kicks it in down the stretch, I think you've learned a lot of what you need to know about Desmond Ritter going forward. And probably, you know, and this was kind of what I was saying, hearkening back to the offseason when I when it was clear that they were going to roll forward with Desmond Ritter. It's like, okay, you get a look at him this season, and worst case scenario, he's not exactly what you thought he would be or hoped he could develop into. And what do you know? You've got a, a loaded QB class in the draft coming right up, and you can just draft the heir apparent right out of the gate. Maybe maybe do a little transitional thing with uh, with Desmond Ritter and uh, get the new guy in there ASAP. No harm, no foul in the long run sort of, sort of uh, perspective of this. Because the Falcons, I like the Falcons coming in. I still think they're probably the best team in that division. They're not going to win a Super Bowl this year. They're probably not going to compete. They're going to face up against a team. I mean, what, they're in the NFC. They'll they'll face up against an Eagles or a 49ers. Hell, even the Cowboys, with how little I trust them, I think the, the, the Cowboys, if they play the Falcons, maybe it'll be a close game, but they're going to face up against one of those teams and probably end up dropping um, either in the first round or in the divisional round. Uh, it just kind of depends where they, where they get that matchup that ends up being the one that does them in, but... Still like the Falcons, still think they're a good team. Not the team that you've, uh, you're have you going to be just looking to push for a championship with. Uh, that's coming uh, either a year or two down the road uh, after they get more guys in there in this this regime under Arthur Smith. Um, but for right now, I think you you know what you need to know about Desmond Ritter. That is all to say. Uh, Commanders-wise, they're now 3-3, three and three, back to 500. Uh, Howell is starting to pick it up even more. Um, what was his stat line in this game? Three touchdowns, zero interceptions. I mean, not flashy. 
<clears throat> not flashy on the yards, 14 of 23 for 151, less than seven yards per attempt. On the ground, they got mostly stymied by the Atlanta Falcons, but got a solid game from Terry McLaurin, got uh, touchdowns from Brian Robinson, Curtis Samuel, and then Antonio Gibson, one catch, one touchdown, one yard. Perfect stat line there through the air, and you just keep it on moving. I mean, nothing nothing here to see. Uh, Commanders just 3-0. and Who are they facing off this, this coming week? I'm sure I'll get into that in just a second. Uh, they are facing the Giants. Now, they're at the Giants. They're on the road. But that's a very winnable game right there. They can get above 500. It is a divisional game, too. So every game you win against the New York Giants is one they can't win later. But I think we're, we'll get to the Giants here in just a bit. But I think it's pretty safe to say that the Giants aren't exactly in playoff contention this year. So that's a game that you should go in there. You don't have to make it look pretty, necessarily. I'm not sure. Again, a lot like the Falcons, this is kind of two very similar teams uh, facing off against each other. Um, maybe you make the playoffs in, in the NFC, maybe you sneak into a seven seed, but as far as contention, wouldn't wouldn't hold my breath on that one. So wins are wins, and I mean, this isn't college. Your record is exactly who it says you are in the NFL a lot of times. So they three and three, got a chance to go four and three next week. Uh, see what happens there. So far, though, liking what I'm seeing from the Eric Bieniemy offense. Uh, didn't work so much on the ground uh, on on Sunday, but did enough to win. Sam Howell's looking serviceable enough to get you over that playoff hump, and maybe you win a playoff game once you get there. See what see what happens when we get there. Um, let's move on though. Vikings at the Bears. They win 19 to 13. Hey, two and four. Like I said, there is a path to 10 and seven. Uh, maybe maybe nine and eight if we get get swept by the Detroit Lions. I'm inclined to believe that we at least split with Detroit. Probably split with Green Bay too. Maybe maybe we have to sweep Green Bay to get to that ten and seven. Hell, maybe. Hey, just I will get to it here in just a second. But we saw the 49ers lose this week. Hey, maybe we catch them off guard and we get a win there in this this coming Monday Night Football. Could be fun. Much like the uh, like Washington and and Atlanta's. Contending hopes, not hold my breath on that, but could happen, could happen. It's why they play the games here, folks. It's why they play the games. But looking specifically at this game, um, yeah, the Bears are bad. I mean, we all, we all knew the Bears were bad, but, I mean, it's not even just the players. It's like anyone who has even just taken a cursory look at the numbers uh, for the Minnesota Vikings defense this year. And really, you need to look no farther than the blitz percentage. I think the league average is, and this is coming straight from Kevin Seifert, uh, the the Vikings beat writer for ESPN, who I have my ups and downs with, but by and large, does a good job. Bit of a well-actually type of guy, but you know what? It gives me some good nuggets that I can, I can take on here every once in a while, and this was one of them. Uh, the league average for blitzing, blitz percentage is about 28% of the time. Uh, Brian Flores has been over 50% in most of the games this year. He is he blitzes like an absolute madman. Just had a season high in this game, I'm pretty sure. I think he blitzed uh, Justin Fields in that offense or Tyson Badgen, whoever happened to be back there, like 80% of the time. And uh, the Bears just didn't handle it well. Just straight up, I mean, didn't slide protections. Um, wasn't able to protect Justin Fields, leading to him actually getting a broken hand, which is going to keep him out for at the very least this week and probably going forward for an indeterminate amount of time. I think that's a throwing hand too, which for a guy that already struggles with accuracy, not great, not great even a little bit. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, the Bears just stink. But the good thing, the good thing for them, and if you're at this point where you know your team stinks and you know, you're just looking forward to the draft, which the Bears have been in that position so many times, not only do you stink and will probably have a top five pick, the Panthers, who traded for the number one overall pick this past offseason, look right in line to have the worst record in the league once again, unless they improve dramatically down the stretch. They're in line to do that once again. So there's a very real possibility that the Bears have the number one overall pick and the number two overall pick in this upcoming draft, which would either you draft, you you draft like a a one-two of uh, Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr., which would be cool, or you draft Caleb Williams number one overall and you trade out of that second pick and you get a boatload of draft picks back after just trading or getting a boatload of picks plus DJ Moore in a trade for last year's number one overall pick. So, I mean, this is why the nerds like tanking. You're in a solid position going forward as far as draft assets are concerned. But, you know, as for this season, you know, at the very positiveness, that's words that were put together in a sentence form. Um, You know what you got in Justin Fields now, which is, probably not an NFL starting quarterback. Maybe he could have become an NFL starting quarterback if he hadn't gone to the Bears, but uh, unfortunately didn't. So there you, you're in a position now where it's time to draft the heir apparent. And by the way, this is not the, the, the Ryan Poles regime is not the one. Ryan Poles and uh, and Matt Eberflus, uh, for that matter, not the ones that drafted Justin Fields, though I'm hesitant to believe that Matt Eberflus will even be there after this, this coming off season. But Bears have been um, unwarrantedly patient in a lot of situations where they probably should have moved on, uh, looking specifically at their previous head coach in, in Matt Nagy. So uh, maybe they, they stick with Eberflus for another year. But that, that's all to say, Poles and Eberflus didn't draft Justin Fields either. So there's no real loyalty there. Justin Fields had to play out of his mind to continue being the, the guy there. And he just simply hasn't done that this year. I mean, through... Some fault of his own, uh, some fault of the offensive scheme and, and coordination, but just hasn't worked out there for, for the course of this year. And um, I don't see it really working out throughout the course of the season either. So there you go. Bears aren't great. Vikings still could be a playoff team. Um, man, do we miss Justin Jefferson, though. And I think there was a little bit of win going on with uh, in Chicago. But, I mean, Jordan Addison, by the way, another good positive for the Vikings. Jordan Addison looks legit. It looks like he could definitely step into that Justin Jefferson role if given a few weeks uh, to kind of come into that. But we miss Justin Jefferson, man. It's it's really hard to replace, at worst, the top two, three receiver in the entire league, if not the best receiver in the entire league flat out. Um, it's it's hard to replace that guy, but uh, you know what? You got to do what you got to do, and we're we're trying to go forward. Oh, also, by the way, Marcus Davenport injured again. High ankle sprain, going to miss at least the next four weeks because he went on IR. Cool, awesome. Kanane Wongwu is back from IR, so that's, that's cool. That's pretty sweet. Um, he'll be returning kicks again. Maybe he'll take one back here against the 49ers and give us a little bit of uh, points straight come out the keister. Uh, love to see that. Would love to see that, but won't know until we get there. I still got all the faith in the world. Vikings, 10-7. and 7. Could happen. 10-7 and 7 in a playoff berth could very realistically happen. Um, would it make it harder to draft a, uh, a quarterback uh, like, a, like a, a Michael Penix or a Bo Nix or someone like that? Certainly. A- absolutely certainly. But um, 
I, I still maintain that if you want to tank, you are a loser and you should look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, why am I a loser? And that's, I will stick to that until the day I die. And if anyone, I, I've said it before on this podcast, I'll say it again right now. Um, if you are coming up to me talking about tanking, I will fight you. I will absolutely throw fisticuffs with you and I'll beat your ass there, homie. Just don't, don't come, don't come at me talking about no bitch ass tanking, man. We're not, we're not about tanking on this podcast. If it, any of those nerds come up to me about tanking, I'll shove them in the locker, which I don't know why I keep saying that. I've never once shoved anyone in the locker. Hell, I was probably considered a nerd back when I was in grade school. So I don't know, but I, as an adult, Seems like as good a time as any to start shoving people in lockers. So yeah, if, if, if any nerd starts talking to me about tanking, um, I will. I, I will be shoving into lockers, uh, kicking asses, giving wedgies, all that sort of things. Don't talk to me about tanking, but we move on from there. Seahawks visit the Bengals, and uh, they get stoned 17-13. to 13, and Not stoned in a happy and fun way. Stoned in a defense, playing very, very well. Coach Lou, Lou Anarumo. Got the boys playing for the Bengals defense. I believe this is now two straight wins after the Bengals start one and three. Uh, the season very much alive. Everyone in that AFC North is alive right now, and it, it's looking more and more like. I mean, I mean, with with twigs, sticks, glue, all the paper mache, everything you can throw on there. The, the Steelers look like they're, they're going to find a way to, at the very least, go like eight and nine or nine and eight, something like that. Um, they're going to be right in the thick of it. Bengals got Joe Burrow. They'll be right in the thick of it. The Browns have maybe the best defense in the entire, I mean, statistically, by far the best defense in the entire NFL right now. Uh, the, the Ravens have been consistently good, and they, they look like a really good team this year. Great defense, great quarterback in Lamar Jackson. Every single team in the AFC North uh, looks like they are primed to make a playoff push, and all of them realistically could do that uh, if the season goes the way it does. Right now, the Bengals just notch another win in the cap. Um, Seahawks three and two now, coming off that bye. Get the uh, get the loss here. It is what it is. There, I mean, Geno Smith with two interceptions as well. I think I think Geno Smith might have might have nicked his ankle or something in this game here. Uh, something to watch, but. Uh, you know, Geno Smith is is who he is. I don't think he's a top of the league quarterback, but a good enough quarterback to get you uh, get you into the playoffs and into contention. So uh, nothing nothing really to see there. I mean, just a, it was a game. It, it was a game that was played on a Sunday, and uh, we'll, we'll move on from there. Not much else to say. Lou Anarumo got the boys playing uh, on that Bengals defense. Seahawks just not a bad football team. Not not a bad football team. At all, in spite of what the Rams might have told us in Week One, we move on from there. And I gotta get a gotta get a sip of this coffee before we get into this game because drama, drama was happening all over the field in this 49ers Browns matchup. Ah, ooh, almost went down the wrong pipe there, man. Almost got coffee straight to the lungs. Which, if it works anything like like smoking, I'm. I'm guessing the caffeine would hit my bloodstream quicker if I, you know, take that take that coffee straight to the lungs, but, you know, it wouldn't feel great. Therefore, I'm glad it didn't happen. But uh, back to the, the issue at hand here, 49ers versus Browns. I believe they got into a little bit of a tussle in the pregame. Uh, Trent Williams out there uh, being a menace of a human being. Maybe the, the number one guy that you don't want to fight in the entire league 
Um, perennial All-Pro, probably first bout Hall of Fame left tackle, just an absolutely massive and terrifying human being. Um, I would assume if we ever saw a, a real like bar fight type of scenario, a la Derek Wolf in that one video where you see him throw a punch and a guy just disappears in a dark club, um, just disintegrated into dust pretty much it looked like. I would imagine Trent Williams would do something kind of similar to that, but I'd love to see the big boy getting going pregame. Unfortunately, during the actual game itself, Trent Williams got injured in this game, and I believe it's an, it's an ankle sprain. Didn't return to the game, which is a big-time blow for this 49ers offensive line, and a blow that they really can't afford to have. Quite frankly, he is really the glue that holds that 49ers offensive line together, so that'll be something to monitor going forward. But the Browns get the get the win here. The first loss of the 49ers season. Browns get the win 19 to 17. And I mean they almost didn't get it. They they clutched victory from the jaws of defeat. Um Brock Purdy didn't have a great game in this one. I mean, only 125 yards through under 50% completion percentage, um, less than five yards per passing attempt, one touchdown, one interception, just simply was not good in this game. But when you needed him, he came out there. When he needed a drive on the very last drive of the game, he got them down in the field goal position, and Jake Moody just missed the game-winning field goal. It is what it is there. I mean, it's no, no fault of Brock Purdy's in that final drive there. I had a terrible game by and large, but not his fault down the stretch there. He put them in position to win, so a um, little bit of a little bit of come of a come off of the of the MVP hype that we were getting over the last couple weeks. But still a believer in Brock Purdy. But Cleveland Browns, man, this just reinforced more than anything. Which actually, I don't want to get off the the Forty ers just too quick because Christian McCaffrey got an oblique injury, which the uh, the injury prognosis about as opaque as it gets. They're really giving us no information, which could be good, could be bad. Oblique injuries are tricky. In I mean, Christian McCaffrey tried to come back in the game, basically took one carry and then came back out, didn't return after that. So uh, who's to say if he plays this week? I'd probably lean towards no because we're only six games into the season. There's there's no reason to rush rush Christian McCaffrey back out there, especially when he is the he's the straw that stirs the drink. And you know what? As a Vikings fan, I would love if Christian McCaffrey just, you know, health first. Think about the postseason. You're going to be Super Bowl contenders. Just go ahead. You don't need to play against the measly Vikings. You can win without Christian McCaffrey against the, the measly Vikings. You know, Trent Williams, while you're at it, you should sit out too this week. I don't. We don't need you in the lineup. Uh, you just think about your contention. Think about your playoff contention down the stretch and just, you know what, do the right thing for these guys. Just They're the two best players on offense. Go ahead, just, just rest them both, man. Just go ahead. You don't need them to beat the Vikings. Just, it's okay. It's okay to just think about health first. But uh, talking about the Cleveland Browns here real quick, I'm a bigger believer in the Cleveland Browns than I've been in quite some time, man. I don't think there is a time in my entire life where I have felt better about this Cleveland Browns team, Not not with... Not with Baker Mayfield, certainly not before Baker Mayfield, and it has nothing to do with the offense. Hell, they lost Nick Chubb, who was really the star of that offense. I mean, you got Deshaun Watson being nasty and playing bad, which is just a bad combo, and you paid him the most guaranteed money in the history of the league, which is still 
just a hilarious move from Jimmy Haslam, which is probably the most Jimmy Haslam move of all time, especially when you consider every time a quarterback has come up since then, quarterbacks that are markedly better than Deshaun Watson, they've, you know, obviously asked for that same money as Deshaun Watson, that $235 million guaranteed. And basically, uh, the logic goes probably around the league at this point, uh, just because Jimmy Haslam was dumb enough to do it doesn't mean we're dumb enough to do it, which, fair, very, very much fair in, in the grand scheme of things. That's how bad that contract is. But it's not about the offense at all. Well, really, it's one about the offensive line, which it, it goes to show not having Nick Chubb in there, Jerome Ford still going almost five yards of carry, Kareem Hunt being serviceable back there, going 160 yards on the ground, 4.7 yards per carry, with a backup quarterback, no less, who threw two interceptions, so you know the passing game isn't going to be a problem for you. Basically, it's just Amari Cooper being a problem and, and no one else, for that matter. Even with that, that in their face, against the 49ers defense, who... When, if the 49ers defense is allowed to load the box, they should usually be getting less than four yards of carry uh, for the opposing team. Even in the face of that, I mean, they were able to get 160 yards on the ground, 4.7 yards per carry. That's that's impressive, and it goes to show uh, both the, the quality of the run game coordination and the quality of that offensive line, even with not having Joel Batonio in this game, who's been a perennial presence in the center of that offensive line. Um, it's... I mean, it's that offensive line and it's that defense. The defense is just playing out of their minds right now. Jeremiah Wusu, Koromoa, the nerds knew about him. I, For once, I count myself in the in the category of nerd in this case because I knew about this guy. Because, you know, sometimes you don't necessarily have to agree with everything they say, but the super smart people that some may call nerds, I sometimes call them nerds, the, the, the big-time stats people. Um, they were just football junkies. Some of them really enjoy watching tape as well. I mean, they, they'll they give you some nuggets. Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa was one of those nuggets. He was spectacular before he got outed for the rest of the season uh, last year. He has continued that spectacular play this year in that new Jim Schwartz scheme. Three tackles for loss in this one. A sack. Um, not the not not an outstanding showing from uh, Miles Garrett. Only three tackles, um, one solo tackle, one QB hit. I mean, not the greatest statistical performance, but you had I mean just standout performances all over the field, pretty much. Um, three three sacks as a team, five tackles for loss. You got a pick from Martin Emerson, Hale State. At least one of our cornerbacks is doing well in the NFL outside of Darius Slave. Feels good. Love to see it. Um, it's this defense. You can see the personality change from when Jim Schwartz got there. I mean, what they were really lacking over these several years where where you're just looking at their their roster. It's really been two, three years now where you look at that, that defensive roster and you're just like, where are the holes? There's no holes in this entire defense. They've got stars at legitimately every single level of the defense with, I mean, I mean the secondary in particular between Delpit playing well back there, uh, Ward at corner, um, Newsom, former first-round pick, playing well as, as well back there. Uh, Martin Emerson now coming along with the pick in, in this game. And that's before you even mention, like, I mean, they've got Zadarius Smith and Miles Garrett rushing opposite of each other. And that's probably, that's one of the best pass rush duos in the entire league. They've had this type of roster for several years. The difference now 
is Jim Schwartz coming in there, instilling confidence in the defense, uh, making them play like some bad sons of bitches out there, which they are doing with reckless abandon, um, and just having a good defensive scheme to match. And a defensive scheme that, by the way, allows Miles Garrett to just go out there and be a menace, which is what he... I mean, he's enough of a physical freak that he can just go out there and do that. A lot like a Micah Parsons, like a Nick Bose on the other side of the field. You can do whatever you want with him. He's going to get to the quarterback, and he's going to be an absolute menace out there. I mean, it's just... This new scheme change with Jim Schwartz might be good enough to win them a playoff game when it's all said and done. They are they are that good of a uh, of a squad right now on defense, and ultimately their offense is going to be what holds them back. Ironically enough, the guy they traded three first round picks for, who happens to be a nasty person, uh, Deshaun Watson, probably going to be the factor that holds them back because the offensive line is ready to provide you a run game and make your job in the passing game that much easier. Just hasn't quite. Uh, held up his end of the bargain quarterbacking, but I think this this defense for the the Cleveland Browns is good enough to get them to the playoffs and win them a playoff game when it's all said and done. I really like this Cleveland Browns team, and I feel no less strongly about this uh, San Francisco 49ers team. I'm still the best team in the NFC for my money right now. Uh, tough injury situation right now. Trent Williams and Christian McCaffrey, again, would love for them to not play against the Vikings this upcoming week. But uh, as far as going forward, got to be worried about that injury situation for the San Francisco 49ers. But we learned a lot about the Cleveland Browns in this game. I'll keep it moving from here. Hey, the Panthers, they really came out strongly. But after this sip of coffee, I'll tell you what happened after that. Ooh, we got nothing basically left in here. Let's go. Let's get a last bit. We are setting that back there because we are done with the coffee. And uh, yeah, Panthers. I mean, up fourteen nothing after the first quarter. I was checking my phone at work and being like, "What the hell is going on down there in Miami right now?" And um, I think in the course of three possessions in the second quarter. Uh, the Miami Dolphins had three touchdowns. Tyree Kill broke off a long touchdown, um, found his video guy in the end zone, grabbed the phone from him, uh, did a selfie while doing a backflip, just did a bunch of cool stuff, basically. And the next thing you know, uh, Panthers still end up losing by three touchdowns, 42-21. to 21. Um, just, Panthers still bad. Um, Bryce Young appears to be getting better, which, you know, that's that's... Solid. Didn't throw an interception in this game, but still under six yards per attempt. Um, one touchdown. No turnovers, which is it's solid. It's a good change from what we've seen over the last couple of years. Seems to really like Adam Thielen, which I, I guess good for Adam Thielen. He might get a hundred catch season here at his age and hit a bunch of incentives to boot, which hey, good for him. Love to see that. And the offensive line might be playing a little bit better, or the. Miami Dolphins defensive line is playing that bad. Hard to save. Sorry, I got all this gas just built up inside of me uh, from that coffee, but it, it is what it is there. Still gave up four sacks, though, of, uh, of, of Bryce Young. So, you know, maybe could argue that they're still not playing that well on the offensive line. I, I digress on that front, though. Um, yeah, Panthers... Um, probably going to end up giving the Bears a top five pick. That that seems like it's it's almost an, an inevitability. I'm still just flabbergasted, floored, shocked that after all the changes they made that were supposed to be changes in the right direction and put together this all-star 
um, group of coaches, they're still as bad as they are. It's 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 perplexing to me. But Frank Reich is giving up play calling duties, going to Thomas Brown, I believe, the offensive coordinator. Thought very highly of in league circles. Um, another African-American offensive coordinator out there. So, hey, just continuing to uh, to grow the game a little bit more. Hey, good for them. Uh, hopefully it works out for them. Can't get a whole lot worse than the offense that Frank Reich was calling. So, any change is good change at this point. Um, on the Miami Dolphins side, though, that offensive line needs to get a lot of credit for what's happening right now. I mean, still, another game with no sacks of Tua in this game. Three touchdowns, no interception for Tua. Eight and a half yards per attempt passing. He was slinging the pill. Raheem Mostert, quietly, just because everyone's been paying attention, I mean, rightly so, to Devon Achan. 12 yards per carry. Absolutely explosive freak out there. Probably the number one back whenever he gets back into the fold. Um, very quietly behind Devon Achan, Raheem Mostert, got 11 touchdowns in six games. I think that's tied for the most in league history right now. Um, two touchdowns in this one, 115 yards, broke off a 49-yard run in this game. And that's the biggest difference so far this season uh, from what we saw last season with the Miami Dolphins. Outside of obviously the health of Tua being much more consistent this year, very much helped by the play of the offensive line that has been far and away well above expectations coming in with who they had in the room, especially with uh, Teron Armstead being injured for a, a good portion of this year. For them to be playing as well as they have, pretty incredible uh, so far. But the biggest difference for me between last year and this year, because we saw this explosive passing game, we saw the flashes of what Mike McDaniel could do, uh, just kind of drawing up an offense and dissecting a defense, using motion uh, to his advantage. The biggest difference in my mind is how committed they are to the running game and how much better they have been at running the ball this year. It seems like no matter who they've got toting the rock, whether it's Mostert or Achan, I, I assume at some point they're going to get uh, uh, Jeff Wilson uh, involved in the action here after he came off of IR. I mean, no matter who's toting the rock, they are getting just chunk play after chunk play. And they're running the ball. I mean, 33 carries in this game for the backfield. Uh, they had 32 passing again attempts in this game. That's that's real commitment to the running game that you were not seeing last year. That shows the growth of Mike McDaniel as a play caller. With the, the boy genius role that he had last year and kind of what his billing was coming in, last year was the first time he'd called an offense as the true bona fide offensive coordinator because he'd spent all that time under Shanahan. Obviously, if you got Kyle Shanahan in the building, best play caller in the game right now, you get Kyle Shanahan out there calling plays. It is what it is. But having his own offense, we are really seeing Mike McDaniel flourish and only getting better as time goes on. I'm I'm excited to see what he does not only this year, but the year after that and, and going forward because he's only going to get more polished and more mature as a play caller and the running game with what you've seen this year is evidence of that he was obviously the run game coordinator with the San Francisco 49ers before coming over to the Miami Dolphins and running game was really the niche that got him a job going forward you're seeing you're seeing more and more what he's able to do with a running game this Miami Dolphins offense on greatest show on turf pace right now and it's I'm, I'm not going to go as effusive as some people out there have been saying is maybe better than the greatest show on turf because, I mean, you just – greatest show on turf at Hall of Famers 
everywhere. You can just go up and down the roster on that one. So I'm not going to say that too effusively because we don't know what the uh, this team is in the pantheon of things. But right now they are playing just otherworldly levels of football. They are kind of changing the game offensively, which I guess you could say they're changing. I mean, hey, here's the here's a great innovation. If you have like three guys, three, four guys, three, four, five guys that can run like 23 miles an hour clocked in game. Yeah. Why don't you just use all those guys, uh, run them in motion and just be faster than everyone else. That's, that seems replicable, right? Um, obviously if Al Davis was alive, he would be, I mean, probably smiling down from, you know, I'm not sure if Al Davis went to heaven, quite frankly. So he's smiling from wherever he is. If he's, you know, burning in the fires of hell, he's looking up and smiling and just smiling that evil grin of his. If he's in heaven, he's certainly looking down and smiling at what Mike McDaniel's been able to put together. Because I think this is probably Al Davis's dream for his entire time, both coaching football, uh, owning a team that he stole from the previous guy. That's a fun, fun little uh, story that I've told on this podcast before, but go look it up. Bomani Jones tells it best, so uh, go look that up if you don't know it already. Fantastic story, but this is just, um, I mean, kind of a, a dream scenario for an offensive coordinator right now. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Defensively, I mean, I maintain... It's going to catch up to him at some point. I mean, you got good production from Christian Wilkins and Bradley Chubb in this one. Christian Wilkins getting two sacks, Bradley Chubb getting one. Uh, played better down the stretch of this game. But with Vic Fangio coming in, you just, just no brainer, you just expect this defense to play markedly better than what they did last season. That has not been the case thus far. They're obviously very much missing uh, Jalen Phillips in that lineup right now. When he gets back in, maybe you get a little bit better play overall. But right now, if they don't improve on that defense, they can only get so far, quite frankly. It's pretty much the exact inverse of what you're seeing from the Kansas City Chiefs right now. Um, Offense for days, but defense going to be an issue if they can't get that rectified towards the end of the year. We'll, We'll have to see how it goes down the stretch. I assume with Fangio, it will only get better as as time goes on, but right now, still not good enough to cut it. This is a Carolina Panthers team that was just simply bad. One of the worst offenses in the entire league in this game, and he gave up 14 right off the bat. You gave up one and one touchdown in overtime, which I guess is it is it's understandable. It is it is forgivable, but still 21 points of this Panthers team. You, you just can't be doing that. You just can't be doing that on defense. They got some stuff to figure out, but the good thing is their offense is so good that it's not going to matter most weeks. It's it's a scary, scary unit they've got running out there, and they've got a big-time matchup this week um, across conferences with the Philadelphia Eagles. We got a good night game, folks. We got ourselves a dandy of a night game, but one thing at a time. Uh, we can just kind of breeze through this one. The Colts lose to the Jaguars in Jacksonville for like the 10th year straight, 10th or 11th year straight. Um, Pat McAfee was still punting for the Colts the last time they won in Jacksonville and didn't win in this one. 20 to 37, just not good, not good overall. Um, Jaguars get the win. They're 4-2 now. They're at the top of that AFC South. Gardner Minshew going back to his old stomping grounds. Three interceptions, not good. Um, like 109 of his 329 yards were to Michael Pittman alone. So good for my fantasy team. Um, indifferent in the outcome of the game obviously didn't help him. The, the defense got torched by the Jaguars. 
Um, so that's, that, that's, I mean, not good for the Colts, good for the Jaguars. Um, I, especially with Anthony Richardson being on IR, now getting season-ending shoulder surgery, that coming out um, earlier today. Um, probably going to be looking at a high draft pick once again, which kind of what we expected coming into the year. They weren't a great football team uh, by any stretch of the imagination. I still think Shane Steichen's a good enough coach to keep them feisty in a lot of games, but uh, you're going to be getting a lot of games like this as well where the defense can't really stop anyone and the offense just simply isn't good enough uh, to catch up. So hate to see Anthony Richardson getting that uh, season-ending shoulder surgery, though. I mean, probably the best for long-term health, but... Man, he's going to have to learn to protect himself in some way. Uh, maybe even put on more pounds than what he's got right now. He's a big physical freak, but only 21 years old. Maybe maybe pack on a few pounds of muscle in the offseason once, uh, once the shoulder is fully healed. I would assume most shoulders, I mean, I don't necessarily know what the specific surgery is, whether it's a, a rotator cuff or a labrum. I think different, different recovery timelines for each of those. Um, but even so, by the by the real meat of the offseason, probably going to be pretty much totally healed up. So got some time to pack on some muscle before the next season. But uh, you need to start protecting yourself somehow, some way. Shane Steichen's going to figure out some ways to protect him in the offense as well. But you can't be having your franchise quarterback getting injured every single week like he was uh, in his tumultuous rookie year that was with the Colts. But uh, yeah. Probably not going to be great this year, but I think they will be feisty if nothing else. Uh, we move on from there. The Saints get into another absolute rock fight, this one with the Texans. But Texans at home with the home field advantage. They do force C.J. Stroud into his first interception of his career, which kind of figured that would be the case. Saints are the best defense that, that C.J. Stroud has faced thus far, and they've been very good all year facing off against a young QB. You figured this might be the spot where it happened, and lo and behold, he throws his first pick, but bounces right back and goes right down the field, uh, gets a touchdown on the ensuing drive right after that, I'm, I'm fairly certain. So good on him. Not a great game by any stretch of the imagination, but good enough to win. They win 20-13 to over the Saints. The Saints are just a, a sad, sad football team to watch, man. Just not fun in any, any phase of the game. Pete Carmichael's offense looks stale to say the least. I mean, every once in a while, you get a good good play from Rashid Shahid, great name, one of the best names in the entire league. But, I mean, it's just just not great. Just not great overall. So, uh, I, I mean, if you're a Saints fan, and I know at least one Saints fan, you just, you're just ready to get, get moving on from Dennis Allen. Uh, leave the last vestiges of the Sean Payton era behind you. It's time to stop holding on to those things and kind of get a fresh start. Maybe it's for good, maybe it's for bad, but you, you got to get out of what you're doing right now, quite frankly. I, and you're not getting rid of Loomis, so that's that's uh, that's probably the only lever you can pull at this point. They probably make it through the season, but the offseason, I would expect some degree of changes over there in New Orleans. We move on from there, though. Another sad matchup, the Raiders face off against the Patriots. Raiders get the win here at home, 21-17. Um, Mac Jones didn't look great again. Um, kind of bigger, not big news, but news percolating behind the scenes. They signed Malik, well, the Patriots did. The, the, they signed Malik Cunningham off the practice squad to a three-year deal, which 
does not usually happen for a practice squad player. I think it tells it tells me specifically that they're going to find ways to use him. He was playing a little bit at wide receiver, a little bit at quarterback. He got six snacks, six sacks in this game. Um, not six snaps. Jesus Christ, I cannot talk right now. But got six snaps in this game. Uh, took a sack at quarterback. So mostly not notable, but. Mac Jones didn't play well either, and if Mac Jones continues to not play well, Malik Cunningham was the backup quarterback in this game. That's sneakily, they're going to play Malik Cunningham at some point. They're they're probably going to start Malik Cunningham at some point with how bad Mac Jones has been playing uh, and with how bad the Patriots have been playing overall. Watch that. That's going to be a storyline here over probably the next month or so, especially if Mac Jones continues to play the way he's playing. You're going to see Malik Cunningham maybe even as soon as this coming week. I would not be shocked at all if he came in and uh, played extended time at quarterback running the offense. But um, Patriots, one of the worst teams in the entire league right now, even with even with Bill Belichick. It just does not save them from being just a dismal football team. They're one in five now. Um, they lose to the Raiders, who are not really a good football team either. Serious problems on the defense. Not a great offensive line. Um, Josh Jacobs not playing as well as he did last year. They're having a hard time getting the ball to Devonte Adams. Which seriously, you just throw it up to him. He's always open, even if he's covered. It just get the ball to Devonte Adams. He's never going to be single covered. Just get the ball to him pretty much. And on top of that, color me shocked, Jimmy Garoppolo got another injury in this game. This one was a back injury that he had to go to the hospital for for precautionary reasons. Um, Again, just a story as old as Jimmy Garoppolo's career. He's just not been able to stay healthy. Um, Status in question for this week, I would I mean, I would probably lean to him sitting out. Quite frankly, you don't want to mess too much with a back injury. Um, so it's either going to be Aiden O'Connell or Brian Hoyer. Hoyer was the one that came in when Jimmy G went down. So it's probably going to be Hoyer whenever uh, it, or if uh, Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't play in this coming game. So I've already spent too much time on these teams. We keep moving from there. Uh, Rams get another win, 26-9 this time. Cooper Cup all the way back, seven receptions, 148 yards in this game. And uh, that was, I mean, Matt Stafford threw for 226. So, yeah, basically the entire offense was Cooper Cup. What else is new? Kyron Williams had a big game in this one, 20 carries for 158 yards, one touchdown. But sprained his ankle, will miss time after spraining his ankle. What's going on, dog? How you doing? What's going on, pup? Yep, I'm talking loud. There's your pets. You be a good dog. You just you get your good sniffs in, then I assume my voice my voice will annoy you away. But yeah, Kyron Williams sprained his ankle in this game. Uh, gonna miss some time. Was fortunate enough in my fantasy league to pick up Zach Evans, who was um, the lone running back left on the roster after the Kyron Williams injury. They've now signed familiar face Darrell Henderson. I believe there was one other guy they brought back in as well. Yep, that's a good stretch. It's a good stretch. You gonna lay down right there? That's fair. That's fair. Either way, I'll keep it keep it moving from here. Um, no need to spend a whole lot of time on this game. Los Angeles Rams better than I expected. Arizona Cardinals better than I expected, but still bad. Still not a good roster. Um, a roster that was specifically put together, and I will never accuse a coaching staff or a a roster of tanking. 
Um, it's pretty clear that the front offices tank all the time. You saw it with the Houston Texans. Uh, you saw it with the Miami Dolphins. You are now seeing it firsthand live and in color with the uh, with, with the Arizona Cardinals. A uh, few, few bits of news that came out today, though. They're, uh, they open up the practice window for both uh, Buda Baker and former starting quarterback, will be starting quarterback when he gets back, Kyler Murray. Um, so, hey, good news there. I would expect them to both play at some point. Um, maybe maybe Buda Baker gets traded by the trade deadline. We'll have to wait and see on that. Philadelphia Eagles have been rumored to maybe be in the sweepstakes for that. And there she goes. Yeah, just got annoyed by my voice. It happens. I I understand it. I get annoyed by my voice too. It, it just keeps going and going and going. But uh, yeah, uh, good news there for the Cardinals. But uh, they're one in five. So. Front office is getting what they want, but we'll keep it moving from there. Uh, Eagles, they get their first loss of the season as well, joining uh, the formerly undefeated 49ers, uh, formerly undefeated teams that have now gotten their first loss in week six, I believe it was. Yep, week six, that's maths beep. Um, they lose 20-14 to 14 to the uh, New York Jets. Um, Jalen Hurts, bad game in this one, had three interceptions and really tried to throw a fourth, quite frankly. Quincy Williams dropped one uh, that he should have picked off, I believe, in the fourth quarter. I think that might have been one of those um, one of those possessions where the Eagles or, or Jalen Hurts threw interception anyways. I can't remember, but yeah, I mean, just the Jets' defense, what more can you say about them? They are one of the best units in the entire league. They're exactly what we thought they would be coming into this year. They hold a vaunted Eagles offense to just 14 points on the game. A.J. Brown went crazy but didn't get a touchdown in this game. Really good at that bend but don't break style when they play teams like this and just forcing that quarterback into bad decisions. And when you got a, as vaunted of a pass rush as they've got with all the guys that they've got in there, you can get away with that when you got Quentin Williams, Quentin Williams, Bryce Huff, a real unsung hero of that pass rush, getting a little shine as well. I mean, they just got they just got guys all over the place. Jermaine Johnson playing well as well. I mean, just top to bottom. And this is without their top two corners in uh, in uh, Reed, DJ Reed, not not Justin Reed, and Sauce Gardner not being out there. They still hold the Eagles to fourteen points. You get three interceptions off of Jalen Hurts and. Jets are 3-3 three and three now. I continue to just be very much impressed with what Nathaniel Hackett has been able to do. I mean, Zach Wilson wasn't good in this game, but didn't turn the ball over. 19 of 33, 186, so 5.6 yards per attempt. But no touchdowns, no interceptions, no, no uh, anything really, no, no, sorts of, no sorts of turnovers or anything like that. Uh, not an awesome day from the from the backfield overall, but again, I continue to just be floored and impressed with what uh, Nathaniel Hackett has done as an offensive coordinator, um, trying to just kind of just hiding Zach Wilson's deficiencies. Um, see if that continues. I like this Jets team though overall. I mean, if it wasn't for the quarterback situation, if like if Aaron Rodgers hadn't torn his Achilles on the opening season opening series of the season. I mean, the New York Jets would be considered among the best teams in the AFC. They were—they were pretty much exactly what they thought, what we thought they would be coming into this year, and uh, they get a win here—a win that they were not expected to get. They're back to 500. Let's look at their their schedule going forward. I don't—I haven't really uh, looked a whole lot at it, but I mean, they get the Giants, 
next week, which they're quote-unquote at the Giants. They play in the same goddamn field, though, so it's a home game. Uh, they will just be like a split home game there. Um, then they're hosting the Chargers, which every game the Chargers are in, you have a chance to win if you are the opposing team, no matter how much better the Chargers roster is than yours or really anything. You have a chance to win against the Chargers every single time, and they really Chargers it up uh, this week. We'll talk about that at the end of the recap here, but... Uh, then they got their at the Raiders, very winnable game there as well. Tough road game uh, going across four time zones, but, you know, they got a chance there. Then they're at the Bills, probably going to lose that one. It is it is what it is there. They got the Dolphins, probably going to lose that one. And then what do they got? They got Falcons, Texans, Dolphins again, Commanders, Browns, Patriots. I'm counting maybe one, two, three, four... Five, six. They can go nine and eight. They can go nine and eight this season. Really be in in position to uh, at least get that seven seed in the AFC. It's all right in front of them. They really got a chance to go out there and do it. Maybe they steal a game in there and go ten and seven. I, for the sake of this coaching staff, because I really, really do like what Robert Sala has been able to do specifically with that defense. Finally, seems to have found a competent offensive coordinator now with Nathaniel Hackett. For the sake of this coaching staff, I I hope that they get a playoff spot this year so that they can continue building what they've been building over there. I just, I like the makeup of this team outside of the quarterback position right now. And it really, so long as Zach Wilson doesn't make those boneheaded Zach Wilson plays, just plays within the structure of the offense, doesn't doesn't run 30 yards behind the line of scrimmage and throw across the field 50 yards down the field, uh, which would be 20 yards past the original line of scrimmage. As long as he doesn't do that dumb shit anymore, Really, they could be in just about every game just on the strength of their defense and on the strength of Brees Hall, which wasn't good in this game, but generally has been one of the best running backs in the entire league, has had some really big performances throughout the course of this season. So I really like this Jets team. The Eagles, a lot like the uh, a lot like the 49ers, I feel no different about them. I think they're still one of the best teams in the NFC, probably number two behind the, the uh, 49ers right now. And we just keep it moving from there. The Lions will hit on this one real quickly. Uh, Jared Goff, really good game in this one. 353, two touchdowns. Amon Ross St. Brown, also a really good game. 12 receptions, 124 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Lions get the win, 20-6. Got to shout out that, that, uh, that defense for the Lions. I was skeptical coming in, to say the least. I was even more skeptical once C.J. Gardner-Johnson went down with the season-ending peck injury. But, I mean, they've been... One of the best rushing defenses in the entire league this year. They're allowing less than four yards per carry on the ground. They're just stifling teams in the passing game as well. They really only had one bad defensive game this entire season. That was against the Seattle Seahawks, which just seemed to be a team that had the Lions number for whatever reason um, on the defense. But they've got a really solid defense this year. It's a big reason why they are 5-1 and one now um, coming, in, coming into next week. So... Really, really good uh, Lions team. Far and away the best team in the NFC North right now. I, I think a legit championship contender, at least, at least a legit contender in the NFC to come out of the conference right now. You gotta be, you gotta be taking them seriously, if nothing else. I mean, you don't necessarily. I, I, and I think some people are still questioning Jared Goff. I think he's really acquitted himself well in this offense for Ben Johnson. Now, whenever Ben Johnson inevitably gets hired away to be someone's head coach one day. How good will Jared Goff be going forward? Hard to say, 
But as of right now, he's playing as good as any quarterback in the NFC right now. Like I said, 353, two tuds in this one, no turnovers. Just playing really, really good football. And with that defense on the other side now, which they didn't have last year, in the words of the great Michael Jordan, the ceiling is the roof for this team right now. The ceiling is the roof. And um, after starting 3-0, the Buccaneers have now lost two straight, kind of coming back down to earth. Um, again, they, I mean, they faced off against a really strong Lions team in this one, but still, um, maybe not the number one overall pick like I thought they would be. Probably not a great team over there with Tampa Bay, though. They're just, uh, you know, they're, they're just searching for answers, searching for answers right now. Um, won't find any in this segment, though. We got to move on from there. Final two games of the week. First off, we got the Sunday night game uh, in an absolute rock fight. The Bills beat the Giants 14-9. It was 6-0 at halftime. And first and foremost, I can't just gloss past it, Daniel Jones was out for this game, had a shoulder injury just out of abundance of caution, um, didn't practice all week, didn't play in the game. No, no surprise there. I think a lot of people kind of saw that coming. Um, Tyrod Taylor comes in, veteran backup, and man, he had a situation at the end of the first half where it was clearly one of those things where you get a, I guess, a, a two-play option sort of thing. You line up at the goal line, there's like, what, 10 seconds left or something like that. No timeouts um, at the one-yard line. You simply cannot have a running play there because if you don't get it, it's the half is over. At least with an incompletion, you're still right there uh, with an opportunity for a field goal. If you if you run it and you're short of the end zone, that's it. The half is over. Um, it would appear just based on the film and how Brian Dayball reacted after the play that uh, they call a pass in the huddle. Tyrod Taylor sees something when he gets up to the line, checks to run, and um, well. Saquon Barkley comes up short of the end zone. Time runs out, and instead of it being 9 nothing at halftime, it is a 6 nothing game. And, well, that came back to bite him in the end. I mean, down there late, really, they had a 6 nothing lead going into the fourth quarter. The Bills just came out in the fourth and uh, just played lights out. They scored 14 points in the fourth quarter. It's all they need to get the win. They escape with a win in this one, 14-9. The Giants are now 1-5, and, and it was just, it was bad. It was, a, it was a bad scene. Brian Dayball is just about as angry as a man could get on the sidelines there. It's just frustrating with the, uh, with the New York Giants right now, and uh, I, I feel for it. I feel for you if you are a New York Giants fan. Uh, that being said, this is what you fuckers get for beating the Vikings in the playoffs last year. But, uh, hey, Bills get another win. Um, still without Daquan Jones and Matt Milano for the rest of the season. In addition to everything else that's gone on there, Tredavious White being out for the season as well. Uh, not, a, not a great recipe for success over there. So I, I question their, their long-term viability this season as a contender. But 4-2 and two right now with Josh Allen, there's no reason for them not to be. Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, by the way, who had another 100-yard game in this one. No reason for them not to be contenders when you get right down to it. Also, just, hey, Saquon, hey, welcome back to the lineup off that uh, off that high ankle sprain. How would you like four, 24 carries in this one um, where you barely averaged four yards per carry? I'm not actually sure that he averaged four yards per carry in this game. Just grinding Saquon to dust. We Hey, we don't have to pay him if we give him a, a bunch of touches and then just run him into a brick wall every play, do we? 
not awesome. Also for the Giants, uh, Justin Pugh, you saw it in the pregame intros. They signed him last week, and he started in the very same week that he got got brought onto the team. Um, had a long stint with the uh, with the Giants earlier in his career. Um, straight off the couch, he said, and he played like he was straight off the couch. I mean, he got thrown into the fire, man. Started off at left guard. Uh, they had an injury at left tackle, so he had to move out to left tackle. Um, and I think that's where he's starting again this week. I mean, the New York Giants is just, oh, it's a, it's a tough season for you. You are in a tough division. And it feels like that is the team that uh, the top three are going to beat up on throughout the course of this year, unfortunately for y'all. Hate to see it, but again, as a Vikings fan, go to hell, guys. Just just go to hell. Um, Final game of the week, a game with all sorts of controversy and just lots of stuff going on across the field, man. I mean, the Cowboys get a win over the Chargers 20-17. to This was a game where you're just going back and forth with teams just... No, I don't want to win. Well, I don't want to win, so you have to win. Well, I don't want to win. You definitely have to win. Just going back and forth between the Cowboys and the Chargers. I mean, Mike McCarthy, with eight seconds left in the first half, uh, decides instead of taking a field goal, uh, or really, instead of going for a touchdown with eight seconds left, I mean, initially, it it looked like the, the refs gave him uh, the timeout with eight seconds left, and Mike McCarthy said, "I don't, I don't want that timeout with eight seconds left. I don't, I don't, I don't want to uh, have another shot at the end zone. I want to take this field goal." So they're like, "Okay, run it down in three seconds." They take the field goal. Um, ended up working out, I suppose, at the end. But that's just Mike McCarthy doing Mike McCarthy things. I don't know what the hell is going on there. Dak Prescott, by the way, hey, shout out. Look like Mississippi State Dak out there with that Russian touchdown early on in the game. Two touchdowns, zero turnovers. Good change of pace from what we saw last week versus the 49ers. Good stuff there, Dak. Good stuff. In general, though, I'm not really rooting for the Cowboys because they're just, you know, the Cowboys is the Cowboys, man. I am annoyed by the amount of coverage they get, though I do understand that they drive numbers. Jerry Jones is a great marketer of nothing else, but I, I digress on that front. He took them right down to the end here, though. The Chargers with... With Marianne Doe going crazy in the cabana suite, I still would love to know what either her or her husband or both do for a living, uh, having the ability to have season tickets in the cabana suite year after year. But again, digression on that front. Uh, with her going crazy on the sidelines, you saw her with the full range of emotions. Uh, with you know the the obviously the TV cameras locking onto her, and there's a whole debate whether she was a, a paid actor or just a um, a very passionate fan. I'm I'm inclined to you know be positive on this one and just say um, she's just a really passionate fan out there. Saw her in some Vikings gear as well in a, in a past picture, which you know, you know, some people may be inclined to call her a turncoat. Wouldn't be me. I'm not calling her a turncoat, but you know, some people would say she betrayed her team and and decided to start rooting for the uh, the Chargers instead. Again, not me. I would I'd never say such a disrespectful thing, but you know, some people could say that, you know, she she turned on the the team that that raised her in, in NFL fandom, but we don't have to go down that road, but you saw the full range of emotion for Chargers fans and I think she kind of uh she kind of emoted for everyone uh in the Chargers fan base on that one. Initially, excited to get the touchdown to go ahead in the fourth quarter and then just dismayed and dejected after the Cowboys go ahead and get the win 20 to 17 on that field goal man it's uh it's it's a tough life 
Tough life as a Chargers fan, but I know how you feel because I am a Vikings fan. The fact that she is both a Chargers and a Vikings fan, maybe the worst picker of any NFL fan out there unless someone went from, say, like the Texans to the Browns or someone like that. Um, didn't mean to take a shot at Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, but here we are. I mean, in, 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 the shoe fits. Nasty man. Don't, don't have any qualms about making jokes about him. So uh, there you go on that one. Got a feel for Marianne Doe, though. You go from Vikings to Chargers, just heartbreak after heartbreak. It is what it is. This is what some may say, you know, the, the, the less intellectual among us may say, you know, just this is what you get for being a turncoat, but I would never say something like that. Obviously, would I'm a gentleman. I'd never say something like that. Uh, but, you know, some may be inclined to say those sorts of things about Marianne Doe out there. Um... Am I done talking about both of these teams? I still don't believe in the Cowboys. Um, I'm I'm old enough. I may be 27. I'm not I'm not super old just yet, but I'm I'm old enough to know you just you don't trust the Cowboys. No matter what you see in the regular season, something will happen in the postseason that makes you go, oh yeah, okay, okay. They they fooled me again, but they fooled me for the last time. I don't care what they've got on the roster. I don't care how the offense looks. I don't care how the defense looks. Quite frankly, I will never believe in the Cowboys until they're physically in the Super Bowl, or at the very least in an NFC Championship game, which they haven't done since the 90s. So either way, until they do that, I will never be a believer. Hey, if they go out and do that, maybe I will be a believer the following season, but just until that happens, color me skeptical. That, that's all. Um, but yeah, outside of that, the Chargers is the Chargers. Brandon Staley is you know pretty much a dead man walking out there, unfortunately. Seems like a good enough guy, but... Um, questionable decision as a head coach just is what it is there. That's it. That that is it for this uh, this week's recap. That is, I keep getting those those phantom sort of burps from that that uh, that that coffee I had earlier. But uh, let's let's take a look forward to next week. And uh, as usual, gonna have the 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 spreads up here. You know, spreads. We'll do all markets. Getting these from the Action Network, by the way, they got a good, uh, a good, good look at all of the, uh, basically look at the field of you know what books got what, what books got what numbers, what the over under is, the spread, all that good stuff. But I digress on that front. We keep it moving and um, starting off the Thursday night game, we got the Jaguars versus the Saints, which first and foremost, gross. Just a gross matchup for Thursday night. Just a vintage Thursday, vintage Thursday night matchup. They're just looking to uh, just torture us by any means possible. And, um, you know, Jaguars plus two and a half on the road. And uh, Jaguars have actually been one of the better spread teams in the entire league this year. I thought they were coming off of a, a London game because I'm stupid. They're, they just had a home game last week. So, this late ad here, but I'm going to add them. I'm going to add them to my, my list of bets here. At uh, Jaguars, you, you know, don't don't hate me, but I don't feel like making a points bet account, and I do have a FanDuel account. So, yes, if you want to go out there to points bet, you can get plus two. But uh, as an honest gambler, I'm gonna stay stick with FanDuel. I'm taking the Jaguars at plus one and a half. Add that as my eighth pick. We got eight picks today, so that'll be that'll be one of them. Um, looking forward to that on Thursday night. Not my only bet on Thursday night, by the way. We'll get to that when we wrap up with uh, the full slate of picks because I went through, had you know another four or so uh, picks in the college ranks as well. We'll get there when we get there, folks. 
Um, Browns moving on to the one o'clock games. No London games this week. Uh, Browns at uh, minus two and a half right now over the Colts on the road. And I like the Browns. I really do. I would definitely lean hard to the Browns. I just don't. I don't like this spot. There is still that little bit of little whiff of, of Browns stink over the course of the years on them. And with that, I just I can't I can't trust them. I, I can't trust them just yet. I'm um, gonna need them to prove. Gonna need them to kick the absolute shit out of the Colts in this one for me to trust them going forward. I'm staying away from that minus two and a half. If you want to bet on the Colts, uh, DraftKings seems to be the only one with a three right now for you. Yeah, they are the only ones with a, a plus three. So if you want to bet the Colts, go ahead. I'm staying away from this one spread wise. Over under is forty. Uh, probably lean the under on that one. This um, the Browns offense not good. Colts uh, offense facing off against the best defense in the entire league. Again, not betting this one, but if I had a lean, it would be on the under in this game. Uh, Bills versus Patriots. Bills currently favored by minus eight and a half. Uh, you can get nine at DraftKings once again if you are looking to bet on the Patriots for whatever reason. Um, it is a divisional game, and you know Bill Belichick is Bill Belichick, so therefore I'm staying away from this one, but I am leaning uh, the Bills overall. I think they have a bounce back game after what they did just barely escaped last week against the New York Giants. Uh, over under is 41. I'd actually lean the over in this one. I think I think the, the Bills are going to have some offensive success. The big wild card is will the Patriots have success against the Bills defense? Wait and see on that one. It's, it's why I'm not taking this one as a bet, but 41, I would lean the under on that. Um, if you're looking for the over, FanDuel's got a 40 and a half for you right now, actually. So, I, what, did I say lean the under? No, no. I lean the over um, 40 and a half at FanDuel. If you want to take that for your own, I'm staying away from that one. Um, Raiders versus Bears. Uh, Raiders currently favored by three on the road versus the Bears. And that's pretty much, that's across the board. You're not getting any variation whatsoever on any of the books. They're all pretty much in lockstep. Raiders minus three right now. Uh, over under is 37 and a half, and especially if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't play, I'm leaning heavy on the under right. This is like an Iowa football game type of under right now, uh, and the line's not set like that. Hell, I'd feel more confident about this under than I would feel about the Bills Patriots over. I'll, I'll put it to you that way, and it's 37 and a half again across all books. They got they're in pretty much lockstep on that one. I'm not betting it, but would not be shocked at all if you decide to do that. Um, Commanders versus Giants. Commanders favored by two and a half, and that's across all sports books as well. Um, I would lean Commanders in this one. I think the Giants are just a bad football team. Daniel Jones might miss the, another start in this one. Wouldn't be shocked at all if that happened. So I'd lean Commanders, but I don't really trust the Commanders either, especially after what they did on Thursday night um, against the Bears just laying an egg on primetime television. No faith in them whatsoever, so I'm staying away from that one. Over-under is... Uh, 39 and a half. You can get a 39 um, at, what is it? Uh, BetMGM, PointsBet, DraftKings. You got a couple, uh, Caesars as well. Uh, you got a couple options there. I mean, really everywhere except for FanDuel is at 39 right now. So if you're wanting to bet the over, uh, you go ahead and uh, go ahead and bet basically anywhere except for FanDuel. If you're betting the under, go ahead and bet at FanDuel. Uh, outside of that, uh, Falcons plus two and a half on the road versus the Buccaneers. And I got to check. I, 
Maybe this was a maybe this is a play. I'm not entirely sure. I I forget all my bets here, so I gotta I gotta pull it up. Uno momento, por favor. We're getting there. No, this is not one of my bets, but the uh, Falcons plus two and a half. I would lean the Falcons on the road versus the Buccaneers in this one. This is two and a half across all sports books. They're pretty much in lockstep. Over under at thirty seven. I'm no feel on that one, really. I think they're pretty much right, spot on on the money. It's it's hard to score a whole bunch of points with the the uh, the, the style that the Falcons play, obviously heavy on the running game. And the Buccaneers, I'm just not a huge fan of their offense overall. Uh, if you're looking to bet the over, it's 37.5 with FanDuel. Um, or 37 basically everywhere except for FanDuel and Caesars right now. And it's 37.5 on FanDuel and uh and caesars so yeah if you're looking to bet the under go to caesars or FanDuel. everywhere else uh, if you're looking to bet the over i again no feel so have at it if you want to i'm staying away um i believe if i'm not mistaken if i'm not mistaken this one nope again not not a play for me in, in this one but um lions versus ravens this is what i'm probably going to bet with my own harder money i just uh, I just I, I I've heard con- uh, con- contrary opinions to my own on how this game is going to go from people who are much smarter about football than me who like the Ravens in this one at uh, at minus three I I like the Lions in this one just because I think they have a really really good football team and they're one of the best spread teams um, in all of the land so I would lean the Lions at plus three but and I'm probably going to bet it with my own harder money but I'm not. I'm not betting it on this show, and that's three pretty much across the board. You know, take your pick on that one. Um, lean the Lions, though. Heavily lean the Lions right now. Uh, over, under, um, points bet's got a 42 for you right now. Uh, you can get 42 and a half at a couple places outside of that. If you're looking to bet the under, it's 43 at BetMGM and... Caesars and Rivers right now have a actually no no I'm looking at the wrong thing yeah just bet MGM and Caesars have 43s right now if you're looking to bet the under um no great feel on this one I think the Lions have a potential to hit that over same thing with the Ravens but again both of these teams have really good defenses I could see it being a rock fight as well so I'm staying away from that one on, on both accounts um Cardinals at the Seahawks um, you can get a plus eight at Caesars right now if you really want to bet the Cardinals. It's, I mean, everywhere except for, I mean, yeah, actually, yeah, pretty much everywhere is seven and a half right now except for Caesars. So if you feel strongly about the Cardinals, you got an eight over there. Um, basically, everywhere else, though, you can just get a seven and a half. I don't, I don't know why there's two different DraftKings. Um, DraftKings in Tennessee has seven and a half, and DraftKings. Just in New Jersey has seven. I don't know why they're showing me the DraftKings in New Jersey, but there you go. If, you, if you're in New Jersey, you can get a, a fresh minus seven right now if you're betting on the Seahawks. I got no great feel on this game. I don't. Uh, the Cardinals are, are frisky, and it's a divisional opponent. I, I tend to stay away from these sorts of matchups, and I will do that in this one. 44.5 across the board on the over-under, so... No great feel on that one as well, so we'll keep it moving from there. Steelers-Rams... Um, Rams favored by three across the board, pretty much. I guess I'd lean the Rams having the home field advantage and whatnot, but I just, 
I'm not betting this one. I don't have, I don't have a great feel overall in this game, uh, so we'll stay away. Uh, Over-under, you can get a 43-and-a-half at uh, FanDuel and DraftKings right now. Uh, everywhere else is 44 if you're looking to bet the, the under. Um, both these offenses have gone cold at times, so I'm, I'm hesitant hesitant to bet on the over-under. Therefore, I will stay away. And we're getting to our first NFL pick. Well, second NFL picks. I ended up betting uh, on the the Jaguars. I'll have to you know pull another twenty dollars out of the bank account and, and bet that on uh, the Jaguars at some point here before Thursday night. But I, I digress on that front. Packers. I believe I got them at minus one. Yep, Packers minus one versus the Broncos. I just think this line is wrong. I get that the Packers are on the road. Um, but only favored by one. I, I get I get it. Packers had a bad showing against the Raiders and all that. Offense looked hapless. But coming off of a bye week, having two weeks to prepare for the Denver Broncos. Um, yeah, I just I just feel like the Packers are gonna win this game. And I don't know if win it comfortably, but I think they're gonna win it. I think they're gonna cover that minus one. So I'm taking them as a as a bet here versus the Broncos. Uh, if you're looking to bet directly against me, FanDuel's got a plus one and a half for you. So there you go. If, if you're looking to break my heart and bet against me, go ahead over to FanDuel. I'll, I'll hate you forever, but you know, do what you got to do, I suppose. Um, over, under, you can get 44 and a half at uh, Rivers. It's 45 basically everywhere else. I'm leaning the over on that one. I'm not going to bet it, but I'm, I'm leaning the over. Broncos defense is just terrible. Just, just bad overall. Um, not betting it, though, because I have no faith in the Broncos to score on basically anyone with Russell Wilson at quarterback, unfortunately. So, yeah, moving on from there. Uh, Chargers at the Chiefs, uh, five and a half across the board in favor of the Chiefs, and I would lean the Chiefs in this one. Just been a really solid football team this year. Um, Over-under is 48, and I would lean heavily on the under. I think the Chiefs' defense is... Still sneaky underrated, and I think they're going to absolutely stymie the Chargers in this one. Um, not betting it, but I think that I think the Chiefs are going to come out here and, and kind of dominate this game on the defensive side of the ball. Who's to say what happens on offense? But going against the Chargers' defense is you know generally a good remedy for your offensive woes. So uh, especially Michael Harmon back in the fold, maybe you see some deep shots to Harmon that you have not necessarily seen from this Chiefs' offense so far this season. So definitely leaning the Chiefs on that five and a half and uh, leaning the under in this game. Um, 48 in most places. If you're looking to bet the over, it's currently 47 and a half at FanDuel. Looks like it's moving towards that 48 though, so get it while it's hot. Um, outside of that, we move on to the Sunday night game. Dolphins versus Eagles, a dandy of a matchup. Two bona fide Super Bowl contenders this year. Currently, the Eagles are favored at two and a half across all platforms right now. Um... I honestly, right now, probably lean the Eagles. Probably lean the Eagles with that home field advantage. The link is a tough place to play. Uh, tough place to play. Just scumbag fans. Love them to death. Hate what they've done to the Vikings in past seasons, but love their ethos just as a whole. Just scumbags and embracing it to the fullest extent. You just love them. Um, my bet for this game uh, right now, you can get a 51 at points bet. I locked in at 51 and a half on the over for this game uh, with the the Dolphins and the Eagles. I just think I just think neither of these defenses can stop one another. I think this is going to be a really entertaining Sunday night game. I get it. There's going to be wind involved and whatnot, but I just I just feel like somehow some way they're going to hit that over uh, 51 and a half. So 
Locked it in, booked it. Love, love the over in this game. Don't have a great feel on the spread, but I think the over is the play in this one. So that is my third bet. Uh, and you know, while I'm while I'm thinking of it, let me just add in Jags minus one on on Thursday night, and we'll just keep it moving from there. Um, 49ers at the Vikings on Monday night to wrap up this slate. Hopefully, fingers crossed, knocking on wood, uh, we don't get uh, Christian McCaffrey or Trent Williams in this game. That'd be cool. That'd be nice for your boy. Um, assuming we do, though, uh, this is this is going to be a tough matchup for the Vikings. It's currently minus seven in most places. You can, however, get a six and a half at uh, BetMGM right now. I think they are the only ones that have that uh, that six and a half number. Everyone else has moved up to seven. So. That's, you know, if you're looking to bet on the 49ers and you're looking to break my heart, go ahead and do that. I Maybe it's just the homer in me. I, I lean uh, the Vikings at the plus seven in this one. I just feel like they're going to find a way to keep it close. Um, could I be terribly, horribly wrong? Certainly. And that's, you know, very, very likely to happen given the Vikings and Kirk Cousins' performances in night games. But I'm, I'm endlessly optimistic the road to 10-7 and seven starts Last week continues this week. Um, if you're looking to bet the over-under, it's 44 across the board. I'm staying away from that because I don't without, – without Justin Jefferson, I don't, I don't know if we're going to score a lot of points in this game, and I don't know if the 49ers are going to score a lot of points. I would even lean the under in this game, especially if McCaffrey and Trent Williams don't play. This could turn into a rock fight very quickly. But I got no bet in this game. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy my boys being on national television. Hopefully I can enjoy it for more than one quarter – um, and uh, yeah, there you go. There is the slate of games for this week in the NFL. And I uh, got some bets for you in the college ranks as well. Another Thursday night matchup that we are betting on. JMU minus three and a half. Currently undefeated against the spread. They're going on. Well, I think they're on the road against the Thunder Herd of Marshall. The Green Wave Thunder Herd. I don't, I don't remember. Either way, I got a minus three and a half versus Marshall. Locked that in earlier today. That is my first college football bet. Also going Wisconsin, minus two and a half versus Illinois. I just don't think Illinois is a very good team. And I think Wisconsin's line's been a little bit depressed uh, by the performance versus Iowa this past week and kind of the up and down play overall. I think it's going to be an absolute rock fight of a game, but I got uh, I got Wisconsin covering that two and a half. Uh, Texas, th- this being their first game since they uh, they they lost in the Red River Shootout, just stewing on it over the bye week. They go on the road to Houston. I got a cover. I got them covering minus twenty two and a half. I think they're going to just body bag Houston. Just put them in the dirt. Um, I got Texas winning big in this one. And Duke um, going on the road to FSU. I believe actually they might even be at home versus FSU. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, I got them plus 13 and a half versus FSU. I just think they find a way to keep it close and make a game of this just on the strength of Mike Elko and that that, that coaching job that he does. I think they just find a way to, to keep this game close. So I got them at plus 13 and a half. And I also have uh, the over in UCF OU. I think this is two of the top three um, over teams in the in the Big 12 right now. Two teams that can absolutely score it. And UCF just can't defend a wet paper bag right now. They are 
Um, just bad, bad offense, bad defensively uh, this year. Uh, so I got the over at 66. That's big over. That's big number um, right now, especially with with OU's defense. No guarantee that uh, uh, UCF goes out there and scores, but I think they'll score enough points, and I think OU will score enough points in turn to hit that over. So uh, also got the Packers minus one, Dolphins, Eagles over 51 and a half, and Jags minus one. Let's have a week, folks. I kept it to an hour and a half. Thank you so much for tuning in to Unqualified Analysis. That is it for this episode. If you enjoyed, subscribe anywhere you're listening to this or watching this, whether it be YouTube, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, anywhere you're listening to it, just go ahead and subscribe. Would be much appreciated there, please. And thank you. Uh, outside of that, follow me on Twitter at Caleb Verzak, Twitter X, whatever the hell it's called. Elon Musk ruined that app anyways. I'm just on it, you know, for, for pub and whatnot. Every once in a while, it's a, it's a fun little atmosphere, but I digress. Just go ahead and follow me over there. If you want to contact the show, shoot me either an email at unqualifiedanalysis at gmail.com or shoot me a DM. I'll probably be a little bit more responsive in the DM, so probably just go there first and foremost. Outside of that, thank you so much for tuning in to Unqualified Analysis. As always, I've got no clue what I am talking about. However, one thing I learned this week was that for for a long time, the prevailing wisdom was that the universe was roughly 13.7 billion years old. However, with the new James Webb telescope and how far they can see out into the universe, um, it's some science, some astrophys- astrophysicists, easy for me to say, believe it could be twice that age, around 26 billion years old. Just wild. We keep learning new stuff about this universe every single day, it feels like. And uh, yeah, that James Webb telescope is just a, a gift to mankind, quite frankly. But no need to dilly-dally and uh, keep you all on the hook. Enjoy this week of football. I know I will. I've got a Saturday off for one, so I will be able to watch a full slate of college football, and I am so excited for it. Enjoy the rest of y'all's week. Enjoy y'all's weekend. I will see y'all on Tuesday for a college football recap that I am sure will be very interesting, to say the least. See y'all.